Coming at you from the Steel City, you're listening to Poor Man's Podcast, Pittsburgh's premier comedy podcast. Your weekly dose of humor hosted by Chris Hopper and with a new special guest each week. And here's your host, Chris Hopper. Woo! Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Poor Man's Podcast. Sports Extra with Sports Guy JP. Sports Guy JP, how are you this week? I'm doing good. Uh, well rested off a of bye. I'm surprised the Steelers uh, actually barely covered the spread against the bye week. So good week. I was waiting for the bye week joke. <laughs> you know, it, it's like it's like happens every single year, and it's never funny, but it has to be said. It's like when people talk about turkey making you tired on Thanksgiving. Yeah, or like. The, the first touchdown of the season, that guy's the MVP. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I remember, uh, I think it was, it was, this had to have been 10 to 15 years ago. Um, after the first game, Matt Cook had two goals, and he was like leading the NHL in scoring after one game. And I just remember taking a screenshot seeing the great Matt Cook leading the league in points. I remember one year John Kuhn scored the first touchdown of the season, and everyone's like, who's got him for fantasy? <laughs> John Kuhn. John Kuhn actually ended up going to Green Bay and being pretty productive. Does he have a Super Bowl with the with the Packers over the Steelers? Possibly. Yeah, he was in Green Bay for the majority of his career. Yeah. He, he ended yeah, up I mean, being a decently productive player for, for what he was. Yeah, he was good as far as fullbacks, you know. <laughs> JP, so Steelers on a bye week. Any uh, action from this past weekend that stuck out to you? I finally won a bet on my own. <laughs> Although uh, uh, the Buccaneers almost ruined it for me. Yeah, I was um, scrolling through. I uh, fortunately won on Baltimore in a last uh, last second effort to win some money back in a money line game. They were able to pull that out for me, which was nice against uh Steelers opponent this week, the Saints. Um, I think a couple takeaways takeaways from last week is definitely, um, you know, uh, Green Bay, Tampa Bay, L.A. Rams. A lot of these teams that look like they were high powered from the NFC just aren't what we thought they would be. And uh, I've been incredibly impressed with uh, Geno Smith and the Seattle Seahawks as well. Now, JP, I haven't seen a lot of Seahawks games. Seahawks are six and three right now. Are they winning because of Geno Smith? Or are they winning with Geno Smith there? They're winning uh, a combination of both. Geno Smith has won them games, and they have a great, phenomenal run game right now with Kenneth Walker, who is just coming along tremendously. But no, they're winning games, and they have. Um, I think besides Baltimore, I believe it is they have the second most scoring drives in the NFL this season. Oh wow. Yeah, so there, I mean, Geno Smith's playing at a Pro Bowl level right now, and uh, I mean, I, I'm just I, I'm shocked by Seattle this year. Yeah, they uh, as we talk about each week, they're uh, net point positive. They're they have 21 net points, uh, so scoring more than they've given up. Number one in the NFC, JP. Who is who's your guess for uh, net points? Net said, points like Yes. So that means they're projected something and they go over, right? No, okay. I'm saying net points for the season. So it's points for subtracted by the points against. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, so uh, Seattle's second. So Vikings no, uh, they're, they're not second. I'm saying they have 21 net points. I think they're like fourth, it looks like. Okay, so number one in the NFC? Uh, yeah, who is number one in the NFC? And it looks like the Seahawks are five right now. I mean, I, I would assume Philly, but if you're asking, I might be wrong. It is It is the Eagles. So they're okay. 90 net points. So they've scored 90 wow. more points than given up. Number two is in their division with Dallas. So yeah. they have 50 net points. So I'm all, yeah, the I'm Eagles have Dallas. 40 more than second place. <laughs> I've been impressed with Dallas too, but yeah, Philly looks like they're they're for real. It's um, it's like not even it's not even close with some of these. So you have the Eagles at plus ninety, Cowboys at plus fifty. So that's second place. Third place are the Vikings with thirty two. Then you have the Forty ers and then the Seahawks at five. 
Wow. Yeah, that's, it just shows how dominant Philly's been all year. And, uh, yeah, I think that they could be, um, you know, th- they're built for a deep playoff run. They're strong where you need to be strong at every position. Not just the quarterback, but, you know, offensive line, um, wide receiver, playmakers from the perimeter, um, pass rush, corner. I mean, they're they're exceeding everywhere they are. I, I really like this net stat thing, um, or this net point stat, because I really do think it shows, like, which teams are actually pretty good and which ones are pretty bad. Although this Patriots seem to be kind of an anomaly. They're plus 37 at 5-4. and four. The number one team in the NFL is still the Buffalo Bills with 102 net points, and our Pittsburgh Steelers are in last at minus 77. <laughs> And uh, they're also in the bottom of the NFL at a lot of things. So, I mean, <laughs> it's not surprising necessarily. But, hey, maybe they'll be number one in the draft, which is all that matters. The Texans point. are the second-worst team at minus 50. So we're seeing we're seeing the chasm in a lot of these positions. Yeah, I can't say I'm entirely surprised by some of these. Uh, yeah, um, the, the ones at the bottom, I feel like I saw more coming so than the ones at the top. Like you said, Philly and Dallas. I mean, yeah, I've been so impressed with what they've done, especially in that division, which is often viewed as the worst in football. This year, it could be the best. Yeah, it looks like. So the five teams we were talking about, the Eagles, uh, the Seahawks, there were the Cowboys, 49ers, and I lost the last team. But those are all, if this season ended now, playoff teams. We have the Eagles as the number one seed, the lone undefeated team in the NFL. Uh, the two, the Vikings at 7-1, and one, uh, Seahawks three seed at 6-3, and three, and the Buccaneers are 4-5, and five, but they are winning their division. Uh, and then rounding out the wild card, you have the Cowboys, Giants, and the 49ers. JP, of the teams that are in it now, which teams do you think will last to make the playoffs and which teams can you see falling out? Uh, I, well, obviously fit Philly's the favorite and I like the way they're playing football at all levels. All units on their team have pro bowl caliber, have a pro bowl caliber player um, on, on their unit. They're absolutely crushing the ball in the run game and playing solid defense eight. No. So I'm not going to, you know, make that my official pick because that's um, that's not m- really much going out on a limb. But I, I'm going to say I like Philly, obviously, to stay. But I, I really think the lowest team on that that I'm I'm having my eye on is the 49ers. Absolutely, they're um, getting healthier. Uh, Nick Bosa's back. Trent Williams is back, and uh, I think they're a better team of Garoppolo than they would be of Trey Lance. So. They have playoff experience. They've been to a Super Bowl in the past few years. I, I think that they're a team to keep an eye out for as well. And I think um, Giants are the team that I think could potentially fall out. They're not necessarily playing good football, but they're winning football games. And I think that that could um, swing either way in the upcoming weeks. Right. It could. They could just fall apart, or it could be maybe they got their sloppy football out of the way just in time for them to make a playoff run. And Saquon Barkley, you never know. He's he, An injury to him, and your, your season's over, because they're running their offense directly through him. Now, the 49ers are 4-4. Four and four. They're the number 7 seed, so you have on the bubble Washington 4-5, and five, Atlanta 4-5, and five. The Rams at three and five. Do you see the Rams making a comeback? Packers three and six. Do you see either of these teams? These are big name quarterbacks. These are big name players. Uh, playoff teams last year, tenth and twelfth respectively. This year, do you see them making a push? No, I don't see the Rams or the Packers, especially making a push. Vikings at seven and one. They already have a substantial lead on the Packers. I'm not seeing them to catch up. Um, wide receivers are a huge issue there. They seem to not have many playmakers. Aaron Jones got banged up, um, so he'll be questionable for the week as well. I don't see Green Bay built for the playoffs. They're just not anyone to get the ball to. Um, and their offensive line is just not playing as well as they have in years past. And uh, I think you know at this point, they've lost too many games to overcome it. Aaron Rodgers, my opinion, is not necessarily a leader. He's the guy that rolls his eye, 
play calls when he doesn't like it seems to not like it seems like it's his way or the or the highway i don't really look for him to adapt or bring the team together necessarily i think that's the vikings division for sure and the rams just offensively is nothing outside of cooper cup matt stafford's not playing as well as he did last year offensive lines a mess without andrew whitworth at left tackle run games non-existent and uh Honestly, defense just like Jalen Ramsey hasn't played well. Um, Bobby Wagner wasn't the sign that we thought he would be. And uh, it's tough division in football, too. Um, they're right around the same area as the Cardinals, who I think could and probably will um, win more games than the Rams this year. And uh, I don't see them over um, hopping the 49ers or Seattle at this rate. Yeah, I, this I agree. is the worst Super Bowl hangover I think I've ever seen. Yeah, it's crazy to see this team. Um, to get back, you just said Andrew Whitworth. Is he one of the most impressive, like, long-term players there is? Because you hear about Morton Anderson playing forever. You hear about, you see Tom Brady right now. You know, Brett Favre, guys like that playing into a later age. Andrew Whitworth played a very high-impact position. He's a left tackle. He's hit, getting hit every single play. And one of the, probably the most important position on an offensive line for a right-handed quarterback defending that blind side. He played at a high level for a long time. Um, I don't know that there's anyone who's more impressive uh, playing at a later age. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's a handful of tackles you see. Um, Trent Williams is doing the same thing for the 49ers. Um, Jason Peters kind of wore off towards the end. But yeah, these guys are just freaks in nature when you're considering the level they're playing at in the position they're playing at. I mean, they don't get any cre- credit, offensive linemen, generally speaking, unless their names are only called when they're um, drawing penalties. So I think that just to get that reputation from that position for that long of a time is incredible, especially for you know, just how brutal the position really is. Like you're going hard every single down, whether it's a pass play or a run play. And and yeah. a lot of, and a lot of times he's going up against whoever the defense's best pass rusher is. He's not going against, you know, small guys. He's not going against uh, you know, it's not like he takes a couple plays off and there's no impact. He's getting hit every play and hitting every play and probably hitting the biggest guy on the other team every play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think he'll, he'll definitely be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, I mean, just look at how the offensive line's been, N- not only since he left the Rams, but left Cincinnati as well in free agency a few years ago. It feels like um, he played an entire career with Cincinnati and with the Rams. <laughs> he only played a handful of years for the Rams towards the end. It just but, feels yeah. like he's played forever. Yeah, it does. And um, it, it, it's weird in a way. It's like, because he did play his career with the Bengals, but he kind of does seem like a Ram, like you said. C- kind of like Peyton, Peyton Manning. You know, he he's definitely a Colt and was a Colt, but it seems like he was also a legend with Denver, and it kind of seems you get that with Whitworth and yeah. Trent Williams. He's playing great with San Fran after multiple years in uh, Washington. Now, JP, if we're looking at the AFC picture, uh, number one seed, we have the Bills 6-2, and two, number two, Chiefs. Six and two Ravens looking pretty good anymore. Six and three Titans five and three. Then we have Jets at six and three Miami Dolphins six and three and those Los Angeles Chargers at five and three. It's crazy seeing these AFC East teams. There's three of them in there. When did you think you would see that? There's three of them in there and none of them are Patriots. Yeah, it's not. When's the last time that's ever has that ever happened? <laughs> I mean, not in my lifetime. I don't, <laughs> definitely not in the past couple of decades, at least with Brady there. <laughs> that's like seeing the the Texans, Titans, and Jaguars all making it when yeah. like the Colts would make it perennially every year. I yeah. guess that's what um, that would mean. The, the the Jets to me are impressive, great young talent. But if I had to take a team to fall out, it would it would have to be them. Um, Strictly because the Titans division's too weak for anyone to knock them out. Um, and the, the the strength of the division in the East, like like this here, is very impressive. I think the uh, Dolphins just look like a high-powered machine on offense. You can't count Belichick out. And Buffalo's been the best team in the AFC, obviously, up to this point. So I think the Jets, if a team is going to fall out, it's likely to be them. Um but at the moment, I still like the Chiefs the best. A lot of people get on Buffalo 
it, it seems like this happens the past couple of years. Everyone wants Buffalo to be better than Kansas City. And it's just for me, it's, I'll believe it when I see it. Um, there's just a non-existent run game in Buffalo. And you get a little bit of that in Kansas City. So at the moment, just give me Kansas City until someone else, you know, proves me wrong. All right. JP, let's uh, let's talk a little Steelers. They had a bye week last week, so we didn't have to talk about uh, another loss. But we are going against those New Orleans Saints. Uh, Baltimore just came off a win against them. Uh, what are your thoughts on New Orleans? Saints are a team that I thought would be much better than they have been this year as well. Um, I, I was actually expecting big things from them, getting Michael Thomas back. I like the Chris Olive pick, um, Jarvis Landry signing. I was expecting a big year from um, Kamara. And uh, honestly, I, I kind of like James Winston where he was with the Saints. Um, he had a good record heading into this year, but injuries have set him back. Um, so uh, up to this point, I just feel like they just haven't lived up to that hype. They're actually what, uh, three and six at the moment um, in a weak division. I thought for sure they could have at least maybe have competed with Tampa Bay um, since they do play them tough head to head. But what I've seen this year is just almost like the Steelers. It's just not living up to the expectation. Um, Dennis Allen's taken over the head coaching duties, which I think is probably the biggest setback considering Sean Payton's had a great NFL career. Um, and I mean, there's a reason why he would have left, gone into what he's doing today um, in the broadcasting. And he said he'll be coaching again. So <laughs> I feel like he was probably sensing something and just, just got out while the time's right. <laughs> JP, Saints? JP. Yeah. while we're talking about coaches real quick, let's touch on this. Uh, did you see new head coach of, or at least interim head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, Jeff Saturday? Yeah, I've, uh, I mean, how, how couldn't you have? That's been everywhere. Um, yeah, interesting move by Ursay there. Um, I like Frank Reich as a coach. I thought he did a good job despite not finding a quarterback. Um, is he, but, is, did he only get hired because he was a great player for the Colts? Does he have any coaching history? I thought he was a, a TV analyst. Yeah, he is. I heard that he may have done like assistant duty for a high school, but nothing at the <laughs> pro or college level. It's the first time ever someone's been hired. That's insane to me because I feel like being a head coach is only part like the game plan and stuff. You have to manage time. You have to do, you know, evaluate players, make decisions. Um, I don't know how you go from no kind of, I mean, I guess that he's played forever and he knows how a football teams run and operated, but still coming in cold, essentially, that that's a strange move for me. Well, it, it's, it's not necessarily strange to me when you hear Sam Ellinger is named the starter the rest of the year. And then a guy of no experience is named head coach. This is an open tank. That's, that's what it is. That's what we think. And Jeff Saturday is going to be the fall guy. Yeah, I mean, I think maybe it's like, hey, uh, Ursay and Saturday, they're close. It's, hey, how about we let you do this? We'll pay you this. And, uh, you know, when we lose out or whatever, we'll just get an early draft pick. And then Saturday will go back to his job, and then they'll just find their next new coach. I don't see this as a long-term thing by any means. This is a get us through the rest of the year, year sort of thing. I think he probably did as a favor to Saturday. And also kind of as a message to the assistants, you know, we don't, I don't like any of you guys to be, take over the head coaching duty. I could see this just being a fresh start altogether. Ursay's had success, but he's also has a history of being pretty impatient when it comes to things to, I think this is an open tank. He's not going to be the new Dan Campbell for the Indianapolis Colts. <laughs> I don't think so, but I, I, well, we'll see. Saturday definitely brings a knowledge of the game, a passion. And uh, I mean, we'll, we'll see what he can do, but I'm not sensing you know, any sort of like Dan Campbell move here where guys are just like running through the wall for him or something. I don't understand just bringing in like an outside guy to, to coach for a couple months. That's so strange unless it is exactly what you're saying. Yeah. A suck for luck situation. You have to have more losses than the Steelers somehow. This is how you do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that was, uh, well, we'll see. Maybe, uh, hmm. maybe the Steelers are running, uh, and in, in contention just by keeping Matt Canada on staff. Uh, that's that would be the only worst hire <laughs> than Jeff Saturday. They're gonna have Matt Canada also call defense. 
I feel like Vince Lombardi would be a better offensive coordinator today than Matt Canada. That's because there's a there's a seal there. <laughs> but um, yeah, back back to uh, uh, Dennis Allen of the Saints, three and six right now with the Saints. Actually, he's eleven and thirty four in his career as a head coach. He was with the Raiders. There's Jamarcus Russell struggling Terrell Pryor era or whatever. Oh my God, I forgot Terrell Pryor even played for the Raiders. <laughs> Although he did beat the Steelers, I remember him running for like eighty yards or what felt like. Uh, let's not like uh, downgrade it. I, I believe it may have been ninety nine yards. Oh, was it really? It, it was well over. <laughs> it was like ninety seven at the lowest. I kind of remember that now. Yeah, that was the opening game. And he just outran everybody. I don't remember, I, I remember the Steelers that. going into, I think, Oakland at the time. But I don't re- – yeah, because they played on the baseball field. I don't ever remember them going there. And they would always just play down to their opponent. Yeah, Raiders would be like – I remember the year they got Jamarcus Russell. They went 2-14, and 14, and one of the wins was against Pittsburgh. And that was the one of the the losses that kept them out of the playoffs that year, I think. Oh, geez. Yeah, that's it, it, that's typical Steelers losing. The Raiders and Jaguars always give them hell for some reason. It's one of those <laughs> games where it was like they lost the last game of the season, but it was like if they would have won one of three easy games earlier in the season, right. they wouldn't have been like in that the, the position. Hodges year where they should have beaten the Jets, but they didn't. <laughs> yeah, I can't <laughs> believe they won any games with Doc Hodges. But uh, So what are we? what's the spread? Steelers-Saints. Last night, it was just one and a half in favor of the Steelers. So Steelers plus one and a half. Wow. And they're I playing. I guess they're, they're sensing a, cl- a close game, which which I understand. Um, Is this Saints in Pittsburgh? Yeah, in Pittsburgh. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, there's the home. Um, Saints are actually, uh, I saw, fourth and most points allowed, fourth uh, most penalized team in the league, and uh, – they're last in their uh, turnover giveaway difference. So kind of like the net points you said. Yeah. Add up the uh, yeah turnovers, subtract the giveaways. They have a negative 10 dead last in the NFL. That's pretty bad. That's that's mm-hmm. also one, one of the things that we always say. Penalties and turnovers. Uh, you, if you can you know have less penalties, more turnovers, you're going to win more games than not. Uh, JP, what are you expecting as we were talking about penalties? One of the Steelers' biggest problems in my opinion have been like these mental errors these pre-snap uh illegal procedure kind of emotions and things like that that seems to be study that seems to be just mental errors what are your thoughts do you think we'll see an improvement this week uh they better i mean it's no surprise to me that uh kenny pickett calls out the team for not studying as much as a group Najee harris says guys seem to be more accountable chase claypool all of a sudden gets traded you know and we've had like a few other players like i know like chris hoke i think a couple other guys were talking just about the lack of accountability and stupid penalties like you said um so hopefully they got the message through this week and this is a get right game many uh analysts at the start of the year you know a couple weeks in said if you're going to move to Pickett after the bye against the saints would be the week to do it just to get his feet wet but we already have a few games a sample on kenny pickett and uh you know, hopefully it's a game where he's not learning. He's actually getting out there and playing football at a higher level. Um, and it all starts with these mental penalties because, like we said last week, it's a team that cannot overcome stupid five-yard or ten-yard penalties. So if they want to keep the game close and have any chance of winning, they're going to have to keep these uh, first and ten, so to speak, that you're moving and gaining yards and nothing's negated by you know, a delay a game or a false start or something that's just pointless. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what do you expect the outcome of this game to be? Who do you see coming out on top? Believe it or not, I kind of like the Steelers this week. I oh. think that with TJ Watt back in the lineup, like they have suggested, I'm assuming Watt's coming back. I'm also assuming Marshawn Lattimore is out. He missed last week's game. Uh, great Pro Bowl level corner for the Saints. I'm also assuming he's out. I know Andy Dalton will be starting again, who's played better than expected, but TJ Watt alone just wrecks havoc and is a game changer. Um, I, I think that it will be a very low scoring game. Maybe look to bet the under on this because the Saints do have some play. But both teams have playmakers on defense, but it's just not coming together as a unit, I see. 
And uh, Mike Tomlin's actually 11-4 and four in his career following a bye, outscoring his opponents by a touchdown on average, and 5-0 uh, and oh in the last five years following a bye. Um, you know, I, I don't think the Steelers are going to kill the Saints by any means, but I understand it may not be... Um, it, 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 I, I could definitely see the Saints taking this, but I, I'm going to go for the Steelers this week. I, I think that they'll get it together and win by a field goal or so. The, the presence of TJ Watt can't be understated because I, I feel like, what, if, if TJ Watt was still out, what do you think the point spread would be? How, mu- how many more? Another three points at least? I mean, maybe it's the Saints who get one and a half rather than the Steelers getting the points. Yeah, you know, right. it's definitely a two or three point swing easily. But um, it looks like Chris Boswell missed practice today, and he may not be out there, which I think also swings points to considering having a backup kicker. is that That's no walk in the park either. Like Kickers are very underappreciated. Yeah, especially in Heinz Field, especially in November. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. they, they were talking about how, uh, what's his name, is, is the most accurate kicker in uh, NCAA history. Tony Roma was uh, doting about him. But uh, the thing with him is, I guess he didn't have a lot of distance. So we'll see if there's high winds in Heinz Field or, geez, Akershire Stadium. Um, we'll <laughs> see if that can be a factor. I agree. It's probably worth some points. I could see this being a game where the defense just comes back and wins it, like with TJ Watt bearing down on Andy Dalton. That's when we see Minka Fitzpatrick making a play. That's when we see, I don't know, somebody else, uh, uh, you know, some other pass rusher. Maybe you see strip sacks or something like that. I could I see it coming back. Week, for some weird reason, I just got a feeling Minka's getting a turnover in some way. Or he's going to force a fumble or be the one that recovers it. I, I, I got a feeling Minka makes a play this week. Yeah. Um, I can see some pass rush, just a deep post that Minka high points. Yeah. Um, like I said, Michael Thomas is done for the year. He won't be there. Jarvis Landry's been out pretty much since week three. We'll see if he comes back. Um, Saints are lacking a, a, a lot of talent right now. Um Andy Dalton's under center. Steelers are familiar with him. And um, Taysom Hill is someone you have to account for when he's uh, on the goal line or in the red zone. But I don't know. I I think this is a pretty even matchup, all things considered. And uh, I I think the Steelers can pull it out as long as the play calling, so to speak, is a little bit better. I I, I like that we're now forced to use George Pickens more with Claypool gone. Yeah. I like that Tomlin said Jalen Warren was going to get a bigger role, you know? Yeah. And uh, qu- quite frankly, it's like Najee's a first-round pick, so he's going to have the, uh, you know, any sort of gray area. They're going to lean towards the first-round draft pick. Right. He yeah. is the benefit of the doubt every single time having that yeah, pedigree. Ab- yeah, absolutely. I mean, you see guys who are busts through three seasons still get opportunities strictly because they have that first-round pick, you know, on, on them. But Warren's played better, and uh, he's earned himself more reps. And uh, I think having you know two, two different bats that that can do that is going to help the Steelers. If Warren can move the ball, that's going to take less pressure off Pickett, less pressure off an offensive line that struggles in pass protection, and and, uh, and that's a way to keep it close. Honestly, one of the most important things it keeps the defense on the sideline for a little bit, prolonging these drives. The defense. <laughs> Uh, they give up a couple points and stuff, but they're on the field a lot. The, the offense is not sustaining drives. You see the Steelers leading the league in three and outs. I mean, that's a recipe for for you know disaster for a defense just having to maintain uh, being on the field that long. Mm-hmm. And they got Cam Jordan on the edge, who's just a freak as well. He's someone that they they're gonna have to account for coming off the edge. He's been a great player for a long time. And uh, I, I think he gets a sack this week, too. I'm, I'm going to say Mecca gets a turnover and Cam Jordan gets a sack. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I would definitely lean towards the second bet a little bit more. Maybe two sacks, and we'll, we'll mm-hmm. go out on a limb. Two sacks. Oh, okay. Well, well, we will see about that. Now, JP, you want to get into some of your picks? Sure. All right, let's get into... JP's picks. Number one. Number one, we got the AFC North Cleveland Browns heading to Miami. Minus three and a half for Miami. So I'm going to take the Dolphins in this one. Uh, They are 
looking explosive. Like they have been compared to the greatest show on turf this week. I've heard. Um, oh wow! Yeah, they're undefeated when Tua plays. He's protecting the football. He doesn't have a cannon. Can't throw it deep accurately, but that that doesn't matter. They got Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle in the underneath game. These guys catch and run is off the charts. The electrifyingly fast. Tyreek Hill is going to be an All Pro this year. Quite frankly, he is the MVP of the league if you take out quarterbacks this year, which I understand is about 10 to 12 names. But yeah. <laughs> outside of quarterback play, he's the best player in football this season. So he, I believe I saw the stat earlier. He has more receiving yards than eight NFL teams. Oh, my God. I didn't hear that. Yes. that That's crazy. He also has more receiving yards than Kenny Pickett has passing yards. <laughs> he, he does. <laughs> Kenny Pickett at 962. JP. Who do you who leads the the Steelers in receiving yards and how many yards do you think? Yards. This is through what nine I, games? I would say six? Deontay Johnson. It has to be in yards, and I'd say he has like three eighty something, maybe four hundred. You're pretty close. Deontay is number one at three seventy two. Three seventy two. Okay. Pat Fryermuth second at three sixty seven. George Pickens at 338. I didn't know Pickens had that many, to be honest with you. Deontay Johnson still with how to touchdown. Yeah. Uh, Deontay Johnson has also, I mean, Deontay Johnson has 372 yards on 76 targets, where George Pickens has 338 yards on 43 targets. And, like, they have a good tandem there. And, and Firemuth, I think, is a great tight end, great young tight end. It's just quarterback play and protection up front it's gonna it's gonna slow down that you know whereas what you see in Miami is Tua he's getting the ball to his playmakers that's what Grappolo does too and like that translates to wins if you don't have a great quarterback but they're getting the ball out quickly um you're gonna move the football you know if you just hit Tyreek Hill on a quick drag route that could easily turn into 10 yards at any given moment see there's just gonna get better at getting I don't even want to say getting the ball out quickly because then Canada would just be like, okay, we'll use a flat route to Zach Gentry. Yeah. No, like, come on. Let's let's be smart about it. Like, let's hit Deontay on a drag route more often and let him outrun somebody. Let's well, they don't want to ever Pickens throw into the middle of the field. Yeah, and maybe they, they just can't. And this is my, my take all year on this team is if you don't have the players – if you have players who can't do that, these these shouldn't be the players you have. Mm-hmm. And if they can do it and you're not calling it, then start calling it or find a coach that will find find more creative ways to get your guy into the middle of the field. You know, every single week, every team in the NFL knows Stephon Diggs. We got to take him out. We got to take out, um, you know, um, like even a, a Tyreek Hill or someone like that. Everyone knows Cooper Cup. You got to take these guys out. But the Rams use motion or any any sort of way to get Stephon Diggs or Cooper Cup or these guys open. They do more creative ways of doing that because that's their strength of their teams, that wide receiver. Steelers need to find more creative ways then to move the ball across the middle of the field. It feels like Matt Canada has this offense that he planned, and it doesn't matter what players he has. There, he's going to make them run this offense. He's not, you know, taking advantage of the best assets of each player. I don't think Chase uh, Claypool was meant to just do jet sweeps. I don't think that's what his body type was to do. I think they should have stretched the ball out a little bit more. Um, I just think that Matt Canada is trying to just force something instead of playing to. People's strengths. Do you think that this is what the offense would be if Matt Canada could have his pick of any player? I I, I don't know that it would. It just feels like it's not the right fit. And uh, I feel I, like the points I, show I, for I it. I like can't even answer that question because no other team would even consider this guy as an offensive coordinator. Right, and like like no colleges will anymore. Like I can't believe he got a job at LSU. That seems way too good. He does. He seems like a pit coordinator. Like that yeah. seems to be where his, it should have been at the top. It's it's so strange. It's it's like almost funny because the like mainstream media, uh, uh, like national sports coverage, was saying Steelers, Packers, and Bears play through like conservative leaning football f- franchises, the ones where you play defense, run the ball, and all this. And all of a sudden, 
after that, like, news breaks, Steelers and Packers still doing the same thing and still losing. Chicago Bears trade for Chase Claypool. And Justin Fields, despite losing, has looked way better the past couple weeks. And it looks like he can really play, actually. In three or four weeks ago, I was saying that he looked like the worst quarterback in the NFL with the uh, circumstances he was in. It looks like Bears are figuring something out. They're leaning towards a better way of approaching it. And, you know, they trade away their star linebacker for draft picks. And they're going to lean more offensive friendly. And I don't know, Steelers, Green Bay, they they got to find better ways of doing things. Yeah, definitely. Let's uh, go to the next one. Number two. Number two, um, I'm going to take Dallas this week against Green Bay. Like I said, old school way of doing things in Green Bay, and it's not working. Um, spreads five, Dallas minus five at Lambeau. Um, and quite frankly, it's because uh, Romeo Dobbs and Aaron Jones are banged up. We'll see if they play coming off injury. Rashawn Gary, their best, best pass rusher, is done for the season. And uh, Aaron Rodgers just doesn't trust anyone on that team offensive line's not playing as well as it has in the years past. And he has a way of bailing. Like he's just not comfortable throwing to any of these new guys. And uh, like I said, I think he lacks a lot of leadership. Um, and I, I've been saying that for years. I wasn't one of these guys who came out and said that just when Aaron's been more vocal about himself in the past couple of years. But uh, yeah, I, I think that he lacks a lot of, um, like maturity at the position. I don't think a lot of guys want to play for Rodgers. They want to play they, – they, they like that he's a good quarterback, but they don't want to play – work hard for him necessarily. Um, Dallas, on the other hand, just looks explosive on defense. Um, Micah Parsons is my pick. Defensive player of the year up to this point. Dan Quinn's doing a great job coaching that defense. Um, and they got some studs too. Diggs will take on any receiver and – take him out this week if he wants to uh demarcus lawrence too off the edge and uh most importantly i think mike mccarthy is gonna have this team fired up this week there is you know this is a personal game for him and i think the players are going to want to play for him way more than the green bay is going to want to play for rogers um i think matt lafleur is realizing aaron Rodgers is a bigger headache than anticipated and Honestly, when they got rid of uh, McCarthy, everyone said that it was the right move to keep Rodgers and get rid of him. And like I, I thought it was the right move at the time, too, but it seemed like no one wanted to hear McCarthy's side. Everyone was taking Rodgers' aside, and uh, I think this game is very personal to him. He, he has the better team this week, and I'd like for him to go out and win and cover. Well, yeah, that's definitely a major storyline. We'll see how that goes. I agree. Aaron Rodgers never felt like the the team like leader in the sense that he would like talk guys up and you know be there in their ear uh, motivating he doesn't seem like that type he does seem like he likes to point the finger uh and it seems like he's kind of been like i'm a leader in the sense that almost like kind of like ben roethlisberger and like i don't feel like ben Mm -hmm. roethlisberger was as much of like pointing the finger at least you know he would put it on him after the game like the quarterback's kind of expected to like the captain in hockey's kind of expected to yeah it's kind of like i did my job did you do yours right so yeah, it, it it's it seems like he would lead by example kind of like i'm a, i'm this elite player so just follow me and like do what i tell you and we'll win and it seems mm-hmm. like i don't know if, this- if you get a little bit older it doesn't work as well yeah, and this past week is everything you need to know about Rodgers and Brady in the debate. Um, neither team played well for three and a half quarters, and then Brady orchestrates a drive at the end of the game to win it. And you could tell, like, Tampa Bay was fired up. They wanted that win. Whereas Green Bay just kept collapsing. Aaron threw two picks, I believe, to two defensive linemen that week. And, uh, yeah, it, I don't know, it just... The, the re- resentlessness, it just seems like it's not there when Green Bay isn't comfortable. When they're not, like, leading, they yeah. get uncomfortable and they have to come from behind. All right. Let's get to... Number three! Number three. Um, I can't believe I'm saying this. The, the Raiders have been a mess all year, but I'm, I'm taking them. How many times My, have somebody said that in their life? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, Vegas is minus six and a half. Bad team with a huge spread, but I'm taking them anyway. 
because they got the Colts this week. Okay. <laughs> we get the Colts heading to Vegas. And again, Jeff Saturday's never coached at any level practically his entire life. Sam Ellinger is the quarterback. This team is looking to tank. They don't want to win this game. Colts are actually blasting points per game this year. That's saying that's something with Pittsburgh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, 14.7 points per game. Um, and they're tied for first in giveaways. Um, yeah, like I, Vegas has been a mess this year. McDaniels does not look like a good head coach, but they have some ballers. Um, Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, um, Josh Jacobs playing great this year. Max Crosby off the edge. I, they got more stars this year than the Colts. Uh, Jonathan Taylor missed last week. We'll see if he's back. But this just seems like an open tank from the Colts spot. And this is a get-right game for Vegas. Uh, I, I think Vegas wins by a touchdown. Fair Good enough. Week. I'm interested to see how the Colts uh, go this year. And if the Steelers can save them off at 2-6. and six. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, hopefully the Colts do well. Raiders are also two and whatever. So the good thing, the good thing with the Colts for the Steelers is that the Colts are in the same division as Jacksonville and Houston. So maybe one of them might accidentally win. <laughs> yeah, and the Colts are definitely taking a quarterback. We'll see. Maybe the Steelers don't pick a quarterback, which is possible. So we'll see. I don't think they will, but they should probably consider the uh, kind of Josh Rosen, uh, Kyler Murray situation. No, I, sh- I, I I would rather take an O lineman or a D lineman, and I, I'd rather try to get Caleb Williams from USC in a couple of years. Just I'd, I'd rather tank a different time. <laughs> it's not the right <laughs> year for tanking. They could they could take a playbook, uh, a page out of the P- Pirates playbook, and just tank every year and tell you <laughs> next year, next year, next year. Uh, I heard that Claypool, since he was traded, they may try to get Jordan Addison in second. I don't know if he'd be available in the second, but it'd be cool to get a. Pet guy back to play with Pickett. It'd be a nice help. Did you say in the second? Yeah, they said in the second. He may be there early second round. Okay, I thought I don't know why I thought you meant second pick, and I was like, if they take the second overall pick <laughs> and take a skill player on offense, I'm gonna lose my mind. Yeah, yeah, uh, I, I'd take and replace Claypool with that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's the P- Pittsburgh would be walking them back so quickly after they're. Sh- so pissed that when he transferred to USC and it's like, well, it's a smart move for the kid. And quite frankly, uh, I, I'd welcome him back with open arms if they picked him. All right, let's go to number four. Uh, the spread on this one has actually changed to three and a half, but it's uh, Minnesota. I initially took it plus six against Buffalo. Um, spread moved to three and a half. It was seven and a half actually earlier. But we'll say, what, regardless of the spread, I'm going to take Minnesota. We'll say three and a half. I'll take Minnesota. Um, line will change if Josh Allen is healthy. Probably back to six and a half or something around there. So I would actually wait until kickoff and see what, what you can get. But I, I like Minnesota against Buffalo. Because um, we, we don't know what Buffalo can do without Josh Allen. Um, pass game and run game goes through him. He's banged up, and uh, even if he is healthy and they send the points back to six and a half, I like Minnesota. They're, they're, they're playing very well um, offensively. Their playmakers are coming along. O'Connell's been a great asset as their head coach. And uh, like they're seven and one. They're winning close games all of a sudden. The games that they would previously lose in the fourth quarter, they're now winning. And uh, a team that good getting that many points even though it's against Buffalo, I'm going to take Minnesota. Um, they're top 10 in sacks uh, and uh, top 10 against the run. Uh, Buffalo's not going to have a non-existent run game, especially if Allen sits. I understand that Case Keenum, the Hall of Famer, <laughs> the legendary Case Keenum will be in, but uh, I'm, I'm going to go with uh, Kirk Cousins, the only cooler quarterback. <laughs> it is. Could this be Could this be the coolest quarterback matchup of the year between Case Keenum and Kirk Cousins? <laughs> so, KC yeah, we'll against that. CK, right? <laughs> or no way, Kirk, KC, and what's the other case? Yeah, CK. CK yeah. Wow. That <laughs> took way too yeah, long for me to figure out. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I'm going to take Minnesota's soda with that many points. I'm going to take, and... Uh, We'll see, but 
Keenum's not a slouch, like in all joking aside. Yeah. Um, I think he's a very high end backup quarterback. He's played a couple years with Stephon Diggs as well. They were actually the Minneapolis Miracle duo too. So, oh, that's we'll right. See. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see. But uh, I'll take Minnesota revenge game. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I always like when they say like revenge game when you could tell there's like no real bad blood between the two teams, like between yeah. the player. <laughs> It would be like if the Jets played the Broncos and they were like, revenge game for Joe Flacco. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it mattered at all. All right. Or any game Ryan Fitzpatrick played in. I bet you Ryan Fitzpatrick could go an entire season and play 10 revenge games. <laughs> Him and Josh McCown could literally do the entire NFL. <laughs> I forgot about Josh. I, I, I saw some. Speaking of like not knowing someone was on a team, how about the other day I saw Adrian Peterson? I saw all the teams he played for. I didn't know his last year he played like for Seattle for a minute. <laughs> and how about every team he's played for, he scored a touchdown for, I believe, including Seattle. So it's not like he just signed and left. Like he scored points for that. Yeah. You got to get his jersey <laughs> up next to the Franco Harris uh, Seattle jersey, too, and the Jerry Rice <laughs> Seattle jersey. <laughs> Also, if you're a Chase Claypool fan, now's the time to buy a Steeler jersey, FYI, for anyone. Yeah. <laughs> Things uh, gonna be cheap. Yeah, for sure. Let's uh let's do the last one. Number five. Okay, so this was a six and a half point spread. Now it's moved to four and a half. So I'm a little iffy, but Houston plus four and a half against the Giants. Um it was plus six and a half, which was my fifth pick, but four and a half kind of scares me. But uh, the way I, the reason I like it um, is because Giants have only won one game all year by over six points. Houston runs the ball well and can maintain drives that way. I don't think the Giants have played good football, like necessarily offensively or defensively, but they've played well situationally that has led to victories. Um Outside of Saquon Barkley, they just don't have much going for him. Daniel Jones is actually better on the road than at home, and the Giants are home. I'm a little concerned now that they moved it to four and a half, which means I may consider instead the Cardinals minus one against the Rams this week. That's that's a toss-up. I just don't like what the Rams have done recently. I think Cardinals win that game. So, and what was, what was know, the spread I, on the Cardinals game? What was that? What was the spread on the Cardinal game? Last I saw, Cardinals were minus one, so it's basically a money line game. And I think the Cardinals are a better team right now. DeAndre Hopkins has been awesome since returning. And the Rams just are awful. They haven't done anything well outside of Cooper Cup the past few weeks. So I, I think the Cardinals take that one, if you're a little bit more confident in that one. Houston plus four against a team that only has a couple losses kind of scares me. But six and a half, I think, is a big enough spread to take Houston if it moves back. But... Four and a half. I don't know. That that's it's a toss up. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. JP's picks this week. JP, anything you want to end on? Uh, let, let's hope for a victory this week. Uh, two black and gold teams, and hopefully the Steelers uh, take it over the Saints. Actually, scratch that. Hopefully the Colts win and the Saints win, and the Steelers get the first pick in the draft. <laughs> you know. But yeah. then again, I don't know where they go if they stick with Pickett. So. You know, I just maybe, w- maybe maybe we just hope for a couple more wins I, actually and get the best non quarterback. Right, in the draft. that's that's kind of what I'm kind of leaning towards is uh, hopefully the people that draft early want quarterbacks and we see progression with Kenny Pickett. I hope well, the losses are not because the, the quarterback didn't play well. I think the way to do it is to get the number one pick. Let the Colts get the number two pick. There's a lot of teams that need quarterbacks, and then you force that team to trade up for Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud and you get three ones, I wouldn't be the least bit upset if they swapped the number one pick if they had it for multiple picks. Because this is a team yeah. that needs multiple guys at you know positions that matter, another edge rusher, O-line, corners. Yeah. But if they think they have their quarterback and you're picking number one, trade that pick away. You know, Trade to a team that's picking in the top 10, so you do get a good player. But you also accumulate some draft picks for the future. For sure, they they need some depth there. They they've tried the let's have the star players, let's have T.J. Watt, Minka Fitzpatrick, and Cam Hayward, and then if one or two of them get hurt, or sometimes three of them, uh, then we have nobody there. So 
Uh, yeah. I would be all in favor of you know trading back for some some depth, mm-hmm. but that's a long ways away, JP. Yeah, maybe you could pick up a seventh rounder too if you trade Devin Bush too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they'd probably have to trade a seventh and Devin Bush just to get rid of him. <laughs> it's, it's like a picture. It's like the uh, who was that? Brock Osweiler, where Brock Osweiler and like a fourth rounder were traded for like a fifth rounder just so they didn't have to pay that contract. <laughs> really, <laughs> I forgot about that just a few years ago. Little Brock Osweiler was he? He wasn't a first round pick, was he? He was a second, and he. This might be a hot take, but I'm going to say <laughs> Broncos do not win the Super Bowl that year without Brock Osweiler. Oh, yeah? As the backup to Peyton, he came in and won football games. If they would have <laughs> kept Peyton or had some nobody under center, I don't think they go to the Super Bowl. Oh, wow. Honestly, Osweiler is supposed to be the guy to take over for Peyton, and then he went to Houston, and history writes itself from, from there, but... Honestly, I, he, he contributed to that Super Bowl in in, in uh, many ways. Kind of, kind of like a Wentz Foles sort of thing, except one was Peyton Manning. Yeah. <laughs> and one was the greatest quarterback to ever play the game. Yeah. <laughs> All right, JP. Um, everybody, thank you for listening. Tune in to the regular Poor Man's Podcast every Monday. Watch the live stream on YouTube and Facebook. Um, listen to it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, uh, all the other things, too. Uh, if they have podcasts, you can find Poor Man's Podcast on there. Listen, Monday, we have Dave Foreman from Played at Pittsburgh on the Very Local Network. We have Michelle from Pittsburgh Foodie Girls. She's going to review the best places, I think, in the strip. And then we have Frank and Jordan from Science.io uh, coming on to talk science. So I'm excited to talk to all of them JP, thank you again. It's always a pleasure to talk football. Yeah, always great to be on as well. Absolutely. For Sports Guy JP, I'm Chris. I'm going to say I'm so happy yeah. that I was allowed to be part of your day. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. We hope you had a good time. If you did, be sure to subscribe to the show to catch the latest episodes and share with your friends. We can't promise not to embarrass you. And if you just can't get enough, follow us on Instagram at Poor Man's Podcast 412, Twitter at Poor Man's Pod 412, and Facebook. This is Pittsburgh's own Poor Man's Podcast signing off. See you next week. You like that? You like that? You play to win the game. Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. Straight cash, homie.